Hello and welcome to the Olgeenscene.com podcast. Hello, welcome. This is Mike. And this is Crystal. All right, so in our previous episode, we talked about popular fad toys of the 80s. Now, that was when we were kids. And like I mentioned, that also happened to be when the government deregulated kids shows. The 1982 FCC ruling allowed kids shows to be based entirely on cartoons. But just because you couldn't have an entire show based on a toy before 1982 doesn't mean toys weren't advertised on TV. Oh man, we all remember Rainbow Bride and Teddy Ruxpin and some really good ones from the 80s. Yeah, I always like the, you get caught up in the crossfire one. What about Crocodile Mile? You run, you slide, you hit the bump and and take take a dive. Crocodile Crocodile Mile! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We were obviously all about toys in the 80s. -hmm. We had our Care Bears and our Gem Dolls, Mm -hmm. my buddy and... Light bright. My buddy. My buddy. <laughs> Kid sister. Kid sister. <laughs> Good stuff. Mm-hmm. So not just TV commercials either. Now we're talking all kinds of crazy advertising stunts that launched a ton of toy fads over the last few decades. They advertised in print, radio, or anything else available. Sometimes they were wildly successful, as anyone with a slinky or a cabbage patch doll will tell you. Then there are the toys that don't make it. As anyone who got a GoBot instead of a Transformer or a Brat instead of a Barbie will tell you, copycats can be a big bummer. (laughs) Now I had to look up this copycat thing Mm -hmm. because I've been to my fair share of 99 cent stores and seen some pretty crazy overseas marketed (laughs) items. Swap meets. (laughs) Some of my favorites that I ran across happened to be, uh, looked like a My Little Pony, even mm-hmm. had little My Little Pony characters all over the outside. Sure. Well, it said, nice, fine, bold print, Demon Donkey. <laughs> <laughs> now, wow, that's got to be a translation thing. It's really funny. Then there was a bunch of Ghostbusters. They had a whole collection, and mm-hmm. these guys were called Spook Chasers. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> How unfortunate. <laughs> now, wouldn't you be upset if on Christmas you opened up your very first spooky chaser? Oh, thanks, Grandma. <laughs> ah, crap. <laughs> now, the misspelling um, of some of these toys also got me just rolling. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the ones that I came across was Spaderman. <laughs> James Spaderman? <laughs> or 005. <laughs> I think he died in Goldeneye. <laughs> Or how about Special Man? Hey, you can't say that kind of stuff anymore. Well, he's not quite super. He's just special. Oh, no. And I have to say one of my absolute favorites that I ran across Mm -hmm. was a board game that you guys are all familiar with. Sorry. Oh, yeah. We talked about the last time. Sorry. But instead it was called Don't Be Angry. But that's, no, my God, don't be angry. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're going to look at some even more ridiculous toys than that. I mean, we're going to seriously wonder what the heck were they thinking or on or something. 
We're talking real island of misfit toys type stuff here. Nobody wants a Charlie in the box. Yo, you'll beg for a Charlie <laughs> in the box when you find out <laughs> about a bouncy toy that just might give you a body rash. Ooh, yikes. I don't know. Sounds itchy. Okay, well, how's about a game so bad that you just might have to ice your own marbles? Ooh, goody. Ooh. <laughs> Find out why when we come back with Each Sold Separately, Part 2, Misfit, Misfit Toys. Toys. This episode of the Ogenescene.com podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. You need a website, Squarespace could help you out. So check them out at squarespace.com. Okay, we are back. Once again, from Uncle John's Bathroom Reader, the story behind some flop toys. Hey, Mike! <laughs> what? Let's play Ball Buster! You busted those years ago. <laughs> no, 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 not those. <laughs> Ball Buster, the home game. So all the ball busting is kept within the home? <laughs> is this even a real thing? Yep. Believe it or not, from Uncle John's bathroom reader, we have Let's Play Ball Buster. Ball Buster product, no joke. The mega toy company introduced it in 1976 as a family game that's loads of fun. It consisted of wire stocks attached to grid-like base, each was topped with a hinged red plastic ball. The object, according to Mego, was use your balls to bust your opponents if you can. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Break them all and you're a winner. <laughs> Problem. Somehow Mega, Mego thought that they could get away with the name. But after the first preview of the Ball Buster TV commercial, shown to buyers from major toy and department stores, ended up ending that illusion. <laughs> The ad showed a family playing the game, after which a husband turned to his wife and said, Hey, honey, you're a real ball buster. <laughs> oh, yeah. The stunned silence that followed <laughs> triggered the first suspicions that ball buster was not destined to displace Parcheesi in the pantheon of classic games. Wow. Okay, so we are going to find that commercial and post it on the website because that sounds like something... Not only do we need to see, but everyone needs to see. Because that's a real <laughs> ball buster. <laughs> now, you've heard of Flubber, right? Flubber? Oh, yeah. Well, like the Disney movie from like the 90s. Yeah. Well, how about the product Flubber? Hasbro's Flubber was tied to Walt Disney's 1962 hit film, Son of Flubber, sequel to The Absent-Minded Professor. Hmm. It was similar to Silly Putty. Flubber is a new parent-approved material that is non-toxic and will not stain, the company proclaimed. Flubber acts amazing. It bounces so high. It floats like a boat. It flows and it moves. Flubber was made out of synthetic rubber, mineral oil, and is cheap to produce. But it was sold for a high profit. Hasbro, still a relatively small company at the time, was expecting a good year. Problem. Flubber had one significant difference from Silly Putty. It made people sick. More than 1,600 kids Jeez. and their parents came down with sore throats, full body rashes, and other reactions from handling the stuff. It's horrible. 
Hasbro had to recall Flubber and then had to find a way to get rid of several tons of it. After all, Flubber floated, so they couldn't dump it in the ocean. They couldn't incinerate it because it gave off noxious black smoke. That was down toxic. So Hasbro buried it behind a new warehouse and put a parking lot over it. According to company legend, on hot summer days, Flubber still oozed through the cracks in the pavement. <laughs> a primordial reminder of the vagaries of the toy business. Wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, I kind of like think that that's a really neat thing, though, for Flubber to be oozing out of the parking lot in the back. Do you remember the 80s blob? I think the blob comes up through... Through some grating, yeah, through, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a that's like a, a, a memory implanted in there, so <laughs> <laughs> gives me nightmares just thinking about it. <laughs> All right, next on our product of flops, here we've got the Ubi spelled Ooh. U-U-B-I-E. That sounds modern. This product is the world's first and so far last hitchhiking toy mm. introduced by Parker Brothers at a time when hippies were <laughs> bumming rides around the country and hitchhiking was still considered reasonably safe. And everybody was skinny dipping and skinny swinging. <laughs> Everyone's got that Ubi. So Ubi was a clam-shaped plastic container with an address label and cartoon eyeballs painted on the lid. The idea was this, that kids would write a note to a friend, put it inside, and then put the friend's address on the outside and leave Ubi someplace where strangers would find it. <laughs> oh, my God. If the stranger was headed in the direction of the address of the intended recipient, they could help Ubi on his journey, hitchhiker style, across the street or even across the country. With enough help, Ubi would eventually be delivered. Problem. Most parents, even in that more innocent age, did not like the idea that some pervert finding the Ubi <laughs> would not only get their child's address, but would be equipped with a splendid excuse to drop by. Parker Brothers quickly got that message, and Ubi was a dead letter. <laughs> so not only are your parents dumb for getting this thing, but mm -hmm. then you implicate some poor other kid who you write the note and write their address because it's supposed to go to somebody else. And you got some cross-country hippie <laughs> knocking on their kid's door with some little note inside. You hope it's some hippie. Well, that's, that's the best case scenario, I suppose. Not a good idea. Sorry, Ubi. You do the next one. Okay. Next one is, oh, man. Angel Babies. <laughs> In the late 1970s, the Ideal Toy Company bought a product called Fairies from another toy company. They were tiny dolls with mechanical fluttering wings, and they might have sold quite well if an executive at Ideal hadn't insisted on changing the name to Angel Babies. They had to change the doll too. Now, says one of the toy industry insiders, they were these chunky little toddlers with halos and wings. They lived on clouds, played harps, very cute. Ideal introduced the toy at the animal or annual New York Toy Fair in February and waited for Christmas orders to pour in. They never came. Problem. Ideal forgot something important. The buyer said, okay, angel babies, recalls the toy industry insider. They're dead babies, right? Oh my God. <laughs> babies that died and now they're in heaven. Oh. <laughs> so, of course, nobody would touch it. 
<laughs> the product died an instant death and went to... Angel Baby Heaven? <laughs> what person thought this was a good idea? I mean, aren't cherubs kind of like around the same line of things? They could have marketed it as fairies. They mm-hmm. could have marketed it Cherub. as... Cherub. Cherubs. Like... <laughs> nope, insisted on it being Angel Babies. Oh, what <laughs> poor marketing. Oh, man. All right. Well, next on our list here, we've got... You ready for it? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's the Elvis dun, doll. Dun. <laughs> dun, dun. <laughs> so Hasbro made a fortune with New Kids on the Block dolls. So in 1994, they came up with another rock and roll sure thing, a high-priced collector's doll of Elvis Presley. The Elvis stamp was, of course, a smash, and surveys showed that 16 years after his death, the king was bigger than ever. Hasbro envisioned offering a new series of Elvis dolls every year, enticing middle-aged women with memories and money to burn. No, the king! (laughs) Hasbro hired a top-notch sculptor to design these dolls and paid $1.5 million as an advance to Presley's estate and released first this first in the three of the series. At the end of December 1994, the company tried a limited sale of just $16,000 at Walmart. With no advertising, they sold out in two weeks. It looked good for a big rollout in January, the anniversary of the king's birth. Problem. It turned out that Elvis fanatics were the only ones seriously interested (laughs) in buying the dolls. And once they finished snapping up their dolls in the first two weeks... Sales went into a free fall. Boom, boom, boom. Within a couple of months, retailers had slashed their prices from $40 down to $19.99. Some retailers actually experienced negative sales as angry shoppers who'd already paid full price just a week or two earlier returned to the stores demanding their $20 refund. Oh, yeah, I bought the uh, Elvis uh, last week and now I want my $20 back. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> the Elvis doll launched with one of the largest promotional campaigns in the history of the toy industry and ended up as one of Hasbro's biggest duds. I vaguely remember when that came out, but that's really sad because it makes me think of all the ones that went on sale for clearance and then all the kids that got Elvis dolls that probably Aww. the following Christmas. See, I wouldn't want an Elvis doll when I was little. It just, it seemed old fashioned. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> nah. All right, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we will talk about some more stuff all right and welcome back i have one more last flop for you okay are you ready i'm ready all right the product is world of love dolls another hasbro loser world of love dolls were the company's response to the twin challenges of the astonishing successes of mattel's barbie doll and the emerging hippie subculture Oh, hippie. Okay. Roll the love doll, you know. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. We're not talking about a love doll. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Just got weird real quick. (laughs) Okay. So hippies. Got it. Like, love. Peace and love, man. Okay. 
So there was five dolls. One was called Love, one was called Peace, one was called Flower, one was called Adam, and then African-American one called Soul. Soul. Like that. Love, a long-haired blonde, was the doll that looked almost identical to Barbie. <laughs> Love is today's teenager, the company's sales catalog read. Love, it's what's happening. <laughs> Love is today's teenager. <laughs> the problem was kids didn't want a world of love doll. They just wanted a damn Barbie. <laughs> now, are you sure that's not their parents that wouldn't let them have the world of love doll? We're not getting into that hippie crap. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not the best, but I think as a kid, I did get like a knockoff Barbie from like the 99 cent store mm. and it just wasn't the same. <laughs> and you tried to, she tried to be friends with Barbie and Barbie was just like, <laughs> You look all painted on and I don't like that. Wow, so these are some dillies. I mean, if we turned up a whole bunch more in research, we could have a whole bunch of shows just based on these. But uh, did you have a favorite one of these? Um, I liked the Ubi. I, I, th <laughs> I think that um, it's a funny idea. Mm -hmm. um, I like the fact that if you did have, you know, friends in a class or something like that, that, mm -hmm. you know, a school or something could pass the notes with mm -hmm. this little clam-shaped object. Not necessarily traveling across the country and having some stranger show up on well, your porch. You, you think of like leaving it at some park and <laughs> some creep finding <laughs> Oh, have your finger. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How about you? Did you have a favorite? Well, I definitely liked the ball buster. <laughs> I mean, somebody went in a meeting and made a commercial and they just went, ah, that's funny. I mean, I know this was like 1977, but still. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Someone needed to have thought about that a little bit more before marketing. <laughs> oh, all right. So uh, before you rush out to play Ball Buster or <laughs> the nice man shows up to the door with the Ubi, be sure to check us out on OlgeenScene.com. Thanks again for listening. <laughs> if you like our podcast, let us know. We're going to keep doing them whether you do or don't. <laughs> whether you like them or not. Because <laughs> we think they're funny. <laughs> yeah. You guys have a great day. Catch you later. Catch you later.